0: And welcome to That Wellness Podcast with Natalie Deering. I'm sitting here with Christine Kissinger. Christine has a doctorate in communication studies with an expertise in relationship studies. She spent 30 years as a university professor, and she now devotes her time to coaching executive leaders as well as individuals struggling with their own personal matters. She's also a published author. She's a guest blogger. She's a retreat leader. And she's also a level one trained IFS coach practitioner. And there's many more mm-hmm. things that I didn't list off just now. <laughs> I have many parts. You have many <laughs> parts.
1: <laughs> so yes, welcome, I do. Christine, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. And I'm just really so happy for you. And I'm really happy for this podcast. Um, I think it's a beautiful way to share IFS with the world. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I
0: appreciate that. And I really appreciate, you know, your support. And we'll talk about now kind of how we know each other and yeah. If that's okay with you. So my side of it is well, we were both obvious we were both in our level one training together. Right. Which in IFS is a small group. It's like what, like 30 of us, I believe, not counting the program assistants, but it was virtual so it wasn't like we could easily mingle and kind of talk amongst ourselves so i remember like you and i never really got paired together until the very end right but so in the beginning of the training i remember the our our leaders encouraged all of us to find people that we felt comfortable with and maybe meet on the side outside of official training training hours and, and whatnot. And from the very beginning, me and Gabby and Thomas got together because we were placed in the very first triad. And then we were all in the same home group. And so yeah. we formed a side uh meetup group. And then I remember Gabby, which I'm talking about Gabby Bernstein, she I remember she was talking to Thomas and I and she was like, hey, I know this other woman are training. Her name's Christine. She's really cool do you care if we bring her in and just combine? And Thomas, and I'm like, yeah, of course, that sounds great. And then you came in and it just really, I really feel like the energy and the, the vibe that the four of us bring to our little IFS family consultation group that we try to meet at least, we try to meet once a month. I feel like it's so interesting because I'm coming into it from the perspective of kind of a, I'm in private practice, I'm doing IFS therapy as a therapist. Gabby, you know, she's coming into it as an esteemed, you know, author, motivational speaker, podcast host, you know, Thomas, therapist, working more on kind of like the community mental health environment. And then you're in here with your expertise in more of the, like we'll talk about today business leadership and executive coaching and and it's just so it's so
1: fun. I love that we each bring something. Yeah. We do. And and because we each bring something different and we're using the same modality in these different environments, it makes us I mean we learn so much from each other. I think our sessions are really robust and interesting and Mm -hmm. um, and I'm glad that we've committed and we've been pretty good about meeting once per month. Yeah. We really mm-hmm. have. I think we kind of slacked this past month <laughs> because <laughs>
0: we, I know it's like m- me coordinating, you know, now this podcasting stuff too. And that adds another, I'm trying to get that worked out in my schedule <laughs> where mm-hmm. that works out. Cause I, I want to make sure that, yeah, we really keep this up because we've been doing it now for two years.
1: Yes. I think, mm-hmm. Which
0: is crazy yeah. to think about. I know. I know. It's gone by so fast. So I'm very grateful for you and for Thomas and for Gabby and yeah, just everything that we bring to, to the table. And yeah, I feel like I, I come away from our one hour once a month, you know, meetups, just feeling refreshed and supported and coming away, mm-hmm. you know, thinking about something in a way that I would never really think about it in that way before, you know, right. like how how you bring in something from your your coaching side and, mm-hmm. and all of that. So I am curious, because I don't think we've ever talked about this in particular, is how did you even get involved with internal family systems?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: How did, yeah, how did IFS find you or how did you find mm-hmm. it? I'm curious about that.
1: It found me um, and and in a really serendipitous way, um, it was probably right around shutdown, COVID shutdown. And I was going through a really difficult divorce and had a lot of very deep, significant loss issues that I was grappling with and really needed some therapeutic assistance and a colleague of mine introduced me to Ty Powers, who's my IFS mentor. And um, I was really surprised that I had never heard of IFS, internal family systems, for this reason. As a doctoral student, I had a mentor, Dr. Art Bachner, who was a communication studies scholar, especially in the area of relational communication. But he had studied um, with individuals who were really, really at the forefront of family therapy and family systems theory. And so while I was in my doctoral program, I did several independent studies with him where we dove very, very deeply into family systems theory and family systems theory then shaped a course that I taught for three decades called family communication. Oh, okay. So family systems theory is where IFS originated Mm -hmm. in Dick's work, right? Dick was part of that early group that really brought family therapy into the forefront because it was a very unique approach, especially from a systems perspective. It was a very unique approach to dealing with families. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And so then to take Family systems theory and lay it on to a human being's internal system was brilliant, right? <laughs> just brilliant. And so, um, when I started to do IFS with Ty, it was so intuitive to me, mm-hmm. right? And I moved so quickly. I I've had a therapist since 1986, ongoingly yeah. in my life, like various therapists. I've just. For personal development purposes, mostly I have never moved so quickly Mm -hmm. I have in using IFS. And so we were only just a few months into our work together when I decided I need to learn this. Yeah. To do this. So that's how I came into the training and meeting you and just very grateful for it because again, it resonated. I have an affinity for thinking systemically. And it made a lot of sense to me.
0: Yeah. And and that makes a lot of sense to me that it it really resonated with you based on your background in Mm -hmm. the family systems, right? Because you're right. That's where Dick talks about. That was his background as a therapist Mm -hmm. working with families and then people with eating disorders. And then, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, he, he shares the story in a number of his books, how it kind of dawned on him that, yeah, what if. As I'm looking at a family and breaking it down into these different parts and the system of it, what if we turn that inside and then Mm -hmm. here comes manager parts, firefighter parts, wounded parts, you know, all those things. And IFS is, is born
1: (laughs) 40 years ago. Yeah. And it's interesting you bring that up because I'm just thinking about this now my doctoral dissertation was really a look at disordered eating as a relational response, as a response to relational dynamics inside of the family. Mm. And so in so many of the women that I worked with, they were the identified patient, right? They were the, the troubled one in the family. They were the one, if only mostly women, she would stop behaving in these ways. Our family system would come into some sort of balance only to discover when you really looked at the dynamics going on in the system, that the disordered eating was the outcome, the results of these communicative dynamics that were very toxic. Right. And it was never enough to just manage the symptoms of mm-hmm. the identified patient. The entire system had to receive work. Right. Right. Exactly. So, um, you know, again, working with many, many women who struggled very significantly with disordered eating and working with them in such a way that they could understand that you're not broken.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: You are a part of this overall system. Yes. And this disordered eating is a part Mm-hmm. You no, know, that is acting out in an extreme way in response to these relational dynamics that were really impossible. In right. fact, the disordered eating is a brilliant response. Right, brilliant. yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> that's such the cool, I mean, and that's what I love about IFS is that it, instead of it being this way of looking at symptoms as something to extinguish and get rid of, and looked at as awful and bad, which I'm not trying to say that they don't have a negative impact. Right. I mean, like, especially with disordered eating, eating disorders, it can be potentially be life-threatening, you know, for an individual when it gets to a, a really extreme point. But what I love about IFS in regards to that is instead of it, again, coming towards those symptoms as maybe again, like with that intention of like, okay, we just need to get this to stop and then, it'll be better. It's okay. Yeah. Let's find some stability for the person so that they're able to stay alive. And let's turn towards the part within this person that feels like it has to do this. It has to do this for some sort of positive intention for that person, right? Mm -hmm. That even though it might have such negative impact and consequences deep down, It does have a positive intention for that person, whether it's, you know, like you're saying in the situation with like a family dynamic, and it could be that parts within the person are feeling so much anxiety or shame, uh, fear or whatever it might be, right? That then these other protector parts are like, okay, well, let's do this, this, and this to help. At least we won't feel that. And right. I love how IFS turned towards this with curiosity and compassion and kindness. And I feel like that is a radical thing. <laughs> I'd feel like that in itself is so radical of, okay, let's get curious towards this. And I feel like that can throw some people off when they're not really familiar with IFS yet. And maybe they come into my office and they're sharing let's say about their anxiety and they're like I want it to go away and I'm like I totally get it. Totally get it. I have experience in my own life with anxiety stuff. It can be debilitating. And what if we were to address the parts of you that don't like it and help those parts feel seen and heard so that then we can also connect with this anxiety with curiosity and compassion. And I I I I then like to notice how the person's system kind of responds to that because I feel like a lot of the time you see maybe like what we would call manager parts get activated that are like, what, (laughs) you know, (laughs) I thought you're going to teach me, you know, skill sets in order to help this go away, which in the past, that's what I would have done before knowing IFS. And again, it's not to say those techniques aren't helpful, right? Like they can be a temporary help, you know, in moments where anxiety is getting really activated to help bring some soothing, right? But it's not going to heal it. Kind of like, I feel like what you're saying about your years of therapy before that, it's like, I'm sure it was helpful and you were coming across helpful things, but maybe it wasn't as necessarily as healing as then when you came across Ty.
1: Yes. And I think that you're right because one of the things I remember about Ty and and Ty works remotely, he's all over the world, um, was coming into a Zoom session with him, right? And this was my first therapeutic experience via Zoom in a virtual format. And I remember his presence, the self-energy that he brought to the session was such that I very, very quickly began to experience in that first session that there was such a mercy and a benevolence and a tenderness toward my system No matter what it was that I was bringing and I was bringing like a lot of things that felt very shameful to me into the session and to be met with, I I have come to be such a fan of the word mercy, like to be merciful and this, the bestowing of benevolence upon another person and, and sharing that energy so that I could then bring those qualities to my own system That was the difference between my work with him and my work previous. Yeah. Which again, yeah, I
0: feel like I I give IFS credit for in all these trainings. I feel like they make it very clear that one of the most important things in doing IFS work with someone else is if you are the healer, making sure that, You are accessing a critical mass of self energy because if you're sitting there with someone, whether it's in person or over Zoom, you can feel that. Maybe not consciously, but our system can feel that energy. If someone's, let's say, as a healer, blended with manager parts that are coming into it, being like, oh, yeah, tell me all your symptoms. Okay, here's all these things you can do to get rid of them. You know, the, the manager parts within the client might really love that, (laughs) but then there's going to be this even bigger polarization, right? Like within the system. And it's not going to be really helping the individual getting in contact and connection with their self-energy.
1: Yeah. So it's like, we got to be that container of self. And I think that that's a very serious responsibility of an IFS practitioner, whether you're working it therapeutically or like I do as a coach, Mm -hmm. is in a very, very intentional and ongoing way, doing whatever I can do on a daily basis to keep those qualities, the 8C qualities as strong as possible. And I think that that connects quite well to the work that I do in leadership and in professional development, which we can get to whenever you want to, but that's a really big part of my work with individuals in organizational settings
2: Mm -hmm.
1: is working very deeply with them in how do you cultivate and embody the eight C's and the impact that that has on people that you're leading that you're coming into contact with, whether it's clients or, you know, um, colleagues in the workplace. And this is where I see great promise for IFS in organizational settings. Right. And so, yeah, do you care to share, do you care to share with the listeners?
0: Yeah. What type of context you work in? Like we've Mm -hmm. talked about coaching and you work specifically with executive coaching and so businesses and also individuals.
1: Yeah, I have an individual coaching practice that is for anyone who wants to do personal development work, right? Right. But then I also have an executive coaching practice where I work with senior level leaders um, in a variety of organizations. And then I also do corporate training, professional development training inside of lots of different organizations.
0: Yes. Okay. Okay. And so, yeah, I'd love to hear more about, because one thing that I I love what you have brought to our IFS family meetings with, you know, the four of us is, you know, I feel like we'll be like me and Thomas might be talking a lot about a part or something, and then you'll jump in and be like, okay, and what about self? (laughs) (laughs) And it's always a great reminder. It's like, oh yeah, let's talk about self energy and like how... Cause I, I, I know for me, and I've talked about this in the podcast before with other, other people that I've been talking with interviewing and about how I think sometimes from a therapist perspective, it can be like, okay, yeah. Tell me what brings you here, of course. And like, then you're, you're, you're a part finder, right? So you're like yeah. trying to help them find the parts mm-hmm. and You know, again, just like talking with you, it's been a nice reminder to be like, you know, sometimes it's also important to talk with the person you're sitting with about self, you know, and Mm -hmm. the eight C's and what those qualities are and where do they feel them maybe in their body and how do they experience each of these things? Because, yeah, there's been plenty of times where I've been talking, working with someone and then they're like, I don't know what self feels like.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: You know, and of course, like as an IFS therapist or a practitioner, we know how to ask the questions to get a sense if they are accessing a critical mass of self, if there's curiosity there or compassion there, understanding, right? And though, it's like sometimes I I think I forget the power of, yeah, let's also just take some time to notice specifically self, Mm -hmm. self within you. So, yeah, I'm really curious to hear more. Right now, from you about these different, uh, like you mentioned, like the self-led leader curriculum that you have, and the leveraging the power of IFS and leadership, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So let's so dive into while, it.
1: Long before I discovered I or dis, uh, IFS discovered me, a, a part of any kind of leadership professional development training I would deliver really always started with emotional intelligence. And, you know, first and foremost, emotional intelligence, really, the the foundation of it is in self-awareness. So we're not even talking about the people you're leading yet. We're not talking about the conflicts you have. We're not talking about time management or anything like we're talking about you and the degree to which you are aware of who you are as a leader. And what's coupled with that is self-management. And like, how well managed is your life? Because stellar leadership really comes out of my capacity to be leading my life well. Mm. I mean, it's really where my credibility comes in. If I'm self-led, and when we think, I I often will say to leaders or anyone in a professional environment, if you had to sit down with yourself (laughs) and give a sort of like a review, would you be promoting yourself? Would you demote yourself? Would you put yourself on a development plan? Like Mm. how well are you leading your life? Because the best leaders are self-led. So IFS then comes into my life and I see, okay, just imagine this. And for people who are listening, especially if you are a leader or you work in a professional environment where you're managing people at all, if you could just close your eyes And imagine showing up as a leader calm and showing up as a leader with a whole lot of clarity, cognitive clarity, and showing up as a leader where you are so deeply connected to yourself and connected to whoever is in front of you, even if they're melting down, even if you've got a team that's in the ditch Can you be connected to yourself and to them? Tell me a little bit about where you are in terms of the compassion reservoir right now. Is it full? Is it empty? Imagine showing up in your leadership where you are so curious as opposed to, I have to be right about this. Mm. It's my way or the highway, right? Where you are so... Connected to yourself and others, and so committed to service that you have full access to your own creativity because your stress and overwhelm is pretty low. And I believe that if those S's are present, we very naturally feel confident and we very naturally feel courageous enough to take the kind of risks that we need to take when we are in leadership management positions. Mm -hmm. So when you put it to others in this way, I want you to know that this is possible for you. You could show up calm, clear, connected, compassionate, curious, creative, confident, and courageous without opening your mouth. Mm -hmm. If you walked into a room with those qualities alive in you, you would stand differently. You would move differently. You would look upon others differently. You would sit down with someone about to have a really difficult conversation and you will change their energy.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: It's magical. Yes. And so a lot of people ask me, how do you bring IFS into an organizational environment in a way that people want to know more? You start there imagine if your leadership felt like this imagine if people felt your leadership this way Mm -hmm. what do we need to do to help you to build up resources to have as many of those C's present as possible Mm -hmm. and to have you committed to practices that Give you really quick access to those qualities. Mm -hmm. And then they're great because every time I'm stressed, overwhelmed, triggered, I can step back and say, wait a minute, which of the qualities aren't here? Mm.
0: Doing all of that
1: before you even get into talking with them about parts. Uh huh.
0: And, you know, I'm curious because as you're talking and describing that, I guess like my IFS my IFS part is popping up being like, okay, so, you know, we're talking to someone about, yeah, like when they bring curiosity into their awareness, like, what does that look like for them? What does that feel like for them? You know, and what resources, as you just said, maybe could help them access more of that quality of self. And as you say that, I guess one thing that popped in my, in my mind was a part of me was like, okay, and is that, Is that because if they're not accessing, let's say, curiosity, which in IFS they talk about, like, it's not always about we have to access all the eight C's, right? Like at one time, like we just need a critical mass of something, (laughs) whether it's compassion or curiosity or, you know, one of those things. And I'm wondering, is helping someone notice what each of those self energy qualities feels like within them looks like within them maybe what are some behaviors or or cognitive things or meditations or mantras i don't know you know things that they could that they could invite that then they notice maybe helps cuz really what we're saying is then it's helping parts that are blocking that step back yes so that yes, then there absolutely. is more of that access to self right mm-hmm. and then do you get into talking with them eventually about, okay, noticing like what parts are maybe actually getting in, in the way, quote unquote, you know, do you
1: get into yes, that? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the, the the quickest ways to get someone to even buy into the idea of self energy is to ask someone, tell me about the last time you felt you were really in flow. You were doing something, you were in a conversation, you were engaged in some sort of project where you lost sense of time, place. You were just, you just felt, I am so optimally me. Yeah. <laughs> and then, then saying, let's talk a little bit about what qualities were present. And almost always, It's when I'm in flow, I'm not anxious when I'm in flow. I have a ton of clarity (laughs) when I'm in flow. I feel very connected. So almost everyone has been in flow at least once in the last two weeks. Right. So they can pretty much identify. um, And sometimes it's when you're in flow while you're running, Mm -hmm. when you're in flow, when you're in a meditation, there are, there are so many different ways and really even getting them to recognize, ah, this is I'm in flow, right? Oh, what qualities, what are those C qualities are here right now?
0: Yes. Cause that's the other thing too, is I, I have, I've, I've worked with people where they don't have awareness necessarily of, oh, let me think back. And was I in flow then it's more of their It is kind of like a practice of, okay, now that you're familiar with what the eight C's are and maybe the five P's, you know, bringing awareness, like you're saying, as you move forward now in your life to noticing, oh, yeah, I am like accessing curiosity right now. I feel curious or I feel playful, you know, I'm feeling really playful. I'm feeling really connected to the earth or to the people that I'm playing with right now or just talking to right now. And, Oh yeah. Like this is accessing, this is accessing that self quality of connection and playfulness and still recognizing that there still might be some parts present, of course, you know, maybe a part of the person that maybe is sitting next to them or behind them. That's like, wait, am I talking too much? Or, you know, am I not talking enough? Like if they're sitting there with friends or something like that, but then also noticing But I'm also feeling this, I'm also feeling this, yeah, this sense of connection with them right now and, or the sense of playfulness or whatever it might be.
1: And I think another way in is, you know, for me, the fastest way to teach about self-management as a quality of emotional intelligence is to really train them up in the difference between being reactive versus responsive.
2: Mm
1: and tell me about the last time you were really triggered, which was, could have been 10 minutes ago. Tell me what that was like. Right. So once you start to work more deeply with them in IFS, you get to see that that reactive state was a hijacking of a part right. or several. Months. I was hijacked in that moment. Um, because, and okay, how do I know? Cause I was really triggered because I I didn't even feel like I had the capacity to take the pause. I didn't feel like I had a choice for responsiveness so that I can catch the triggering and make a choice. Ah, there are parts present. Mm -hmm. My goal really as a coach, whether it's with an individual or a a senior leader is to eventually get them into self-coaching. Right. They don't need me anymore. -hmm. So that when they have a moment like that, a triggering moment, that they understand, all right, I've got a choice here. And if I can choose to explode, at least at the end of the day, I know I chose it, versus it chose me, which is usually an indicator that parts or a part was present. Exactly. So these these there's very easy ways to bring IFS into their domain into their realm yeah. without getting to bogged down in the terminology in right. the whole philosophy, especially in an environment like that.
0: Yeah. And you brought up the word choice, which I, I have written, I always keep this on my desk next to me. It's like a list of the eight C's and then I'll add other ones in that I hear from other people or just think about. And you've always said another one as well which is, is it companionship? Companioned.
1: Yeah. And it's, it's really comes out of my own experience of when I feel like I have a critical mass of self-energy, I feel companioned. And what I mean by that is I don't feel alone. I feel like there is something, um, some unnameable, something that is behind me, in front of me, around me and, I I feel that most significantly when I am in flow. Yes.
0: Yeah. And I, the word choice is also one that I have written down on here. That's not technically part of the eight C's, but I definitely feel like it's part of that because like you were just saying, when we get hijacked with a part, meaning like it kind of just takes the wheel of the car and it's the one driving and then, Couple minutes go by, and then we're like, oh man, what did I just say to that person? And then parts of the other parts come in that might be like shaming what we just did or said, right? Or really angry and, and all of that. So, and, and that choice is yeah, that space in between parts getting triggered by something that's happening and then what we do.
2: after that, after that
0: trigger. Right. And so then in that space is that self-energy and that spaciousness of choice, as you're talking about, instead of getting then triggered with a protector part or activated and hijacked from a protector part, it's okay. Can I bring awareness to what am I feeling inside my body? What thoughts are going on? Uh, What Yeah. Like, what am I noticing within myself that's changing right now? That's getting really activated and bringing, I feel like what you're saying, like a companionship, a relationship with these parts of us, because then that right there, it's shifting the perspective from a place of being in to a place of being with, which is you being accessing self-energy and being with a part within you Mm -hmm. that might be getting triggered, whether it's an exile and then a protector part, right. And just noticing in that spaciousness that it's there and, oh, or I just said something or did something and I can recognize that was from a part of me. And then having the courage, which is another self-led quality to maybe apologize, you know, to maybe apologize if you need to, to another person of, you know, I, 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 what I just said right there was from a part of me that it just got really frustrated and I want to apologize for that, you know, or whatever that might be. So, yeah, I, I really, I feel like, yeah, if, if people, especially in business for sure, but everyone in the world, (laughs) you know, could, yeah, like work on this within each of us, I feel like it could change the world.
1: Yeah. And you know, it's interesting because part of what I was thinking about as you were speaking is the tremendous amount of freedom that I believe that IFS grants us. And so tied to that willingness or that making the choice to kind of, I like to say, I'm going to claim this space for myself. I've just been triggered. I'm going to stand in this space before I make a decision as to what it is, how I'm going to respond. Right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Victor Frankl uh, wrote man's search for meaning. And he has that quote, although there's a lot of debate as to whether or not he actually said this, I've not ever seen this line in his book, but he implied it, which is between stimulus and response. There's a space. And my freedom as a human being resides in my willingness to stand in that space and choose my response. It doesn't matter what's happening around me.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: One of the, the ultimate freedoms I have is that I get to respond as opposed to react to you. Right. And, um, you know, that work really came out of his many, many years in Auschwitz. Mm. And that's how he coped was understanding that you can imprison me. You can beat me. You can treat me horrifically. But at the end of the day, I get to choose how I'm going to respond to all of that.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: And there's so much freedom. There's so much freedom in that. So yes, we have parts that are activated all the time, but with the awareness that IFS grants us, I get to notice, oh, there's a part present. I get to deal with it, relate to it. And I think that's the other thing that I love about IFS and that has been really invaluable in my work with individuals and in organizations is we've got this whole, I call it an internal landscape, an internal terrain that most of us are oblivious to. Oh, yeah. In uh, communication studies, we call it the intrapersonal space, right? And so... I remember being an undergraduate student and there being a paragraph devoted to intrapersonal communication in an interpersonal textbook and I remember that really grabbing my attention and I remember thinking what could be more important than your relationship to you why isn't there a whole class in the intrapersonal bond yeah um and so sometimes it's it's helping leaders to really get familiar, deeply familiar with their internal landscape Mm -hmm. where your parts are living. And (laughs) yeah. um, Well, and I think about this too
0: in business, let's say you're working, you know, so for like 10 years, I worked at a university as a therapist at the counseling center and you're working very closely, or at least I was with a group of like 10 to 12 people. And what does that resemble? A family,
1: you yes. know, to an extent.
0: <laughs> and so then it's natural that parts of people as individuals are going to get activated towards the dynamics in which that are happening within an organization. You know, whether it's you working with 50,000 people or 10 people, mm-hmm. you're going to have relationships mm-hmm. of various kinds, like with the people that you work with. And then that is going to activate parts within you that come from your past, from your other dynamics of being in a family and what that might have looked like, whatever it might have been. And I just recall, you know, before I knew about IFS, I can look back at situations that I was in while working, you know, with a group of individuals before I went into private practice and I can so recall moments where I was hijacked, you know, I was hijacked with a part, someone else I was working with got hijacked with a part. Maybe then they said, or did something, or I said, and did something that hurt someone's feeling. You know what I mean? And it just, there it is. It it happens when it happens with friendships. It happens in business because we are in relationship with these other people. And, there's different dynamics, there's different parts. And if there's no awareness of what's going on within you, because I do feel like it's so easy to like be like, oh, I'm so angry with this person. But then like you're pointing a finger, right? Like at the other person. And maybe they did do something that was hurtful. And it's not to take away that, but it's also, I love what in an IFS they say it's like, do the U turn. Yes. Do the U-turn and bring curiosity to what's getting activated within you. What's getting activated within you? What part is there? What is it wanting you to know? What is it needing from you in order to feel softer or safer, you know, in this situation? And again, I feel like that can really shift so much within maybe let's say a toxic business culture if they are feeling this toxicity or um you know there's a high turnover rate or you know something like that where it just feels off it, it I, I love what you're what you're what you're saying and what you provide, which is let me help you get to know you, let's say specifically as like the boss, you know, or the executive mm-hmm. person on staff, because it is kind of like they are the caregiver. And if they're not embodying self, if they're not aware of their parts, then they could be running the "quote unquote" household with parts of them that are burdened.
1: Yeah, this is mostly the case, right? So that if a new client calls and and is interested in my services, I kind of go in. I I use I'm just thinking about this now. I I sort of feel like I'm an organizational detective. Mm. And and part of what that means is I'm a parts detective, right? Right. So imagine everything that you just said uh applied to a team. Sometimes I'm brought in as a team interventionist. You right. know, there's a team, maybe it is four people, maybe there is 20 people on the team, but something is happening inside of the team. Now, the way that individuals tend to see it is it's so and so's fault. Mm-hmm. Or it's this little po- pocket of toxicity. If work with that person,
2: mm-hmm.
1: change that little pocket of toxicity and everything is going to go better. Right. So really what it is, the the intervention part is let's really explore team dynamics, which is family systems theory applied to teams. I was just about to say that you're basically like a family therapist, yes. <laughs> you know, like coming into yes. the situation. <laughs> But once everyone gets a working understanding of the parts that comprise a team, everyone's playing a different role, you know, like the dynamic, I said, dynamics don't fall out of the sky. You all created this. in from the very first moment you met, That that whole communication that started this, you all contributed to whatever it is that has not, that's not going well. Right. And you will all participate in the resolution of this or the healing of this. Mm -hmm. But once you get them to see this notion of dynamic and the team as a system where all the parts are interdependently linked, then you can begin to start having conversations about internal parts Because imagine in a small group of four, let's say it's a team of four people. I show up with my hundreds of parts, as are you. Mm -hmm. So it's never just the four of us, right? (laughs) me and all my parts. And then when you get them um, familiar with the language and the vocabulary, imagine a team experience where we can sit down within the first 30 seconds, we're just kind of naming the parts that are present before we even begin the agenda.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And when you invite that, what do you notice maybe happening within their system? As maybe they speak for parts of them that might be present. Maybe they're saying like a part of me is really nervous right now. A part of me is angry. A part of me is defensive. You know, part of me doesn't want to talk. Part of me wants to point a finger at this person. When you invite that, or let's say that group of four working in a business together to speak for their parts, what do you notice happening within them? Is there like a softening? Uh is there a connection then to maybe self energy a self energy quality because they're speaking for a part as opposed to is- as a part? Yeah.
1: I think what I notice most the, the word that I would use, because it keeps coming up in my mind right now is the word permission. You've just, you have just granted me permission to have a part come forth or to speak for a part. What a relief. And if they've already done the work of understanding team dynamics from a family systems perspective, they're much more um, open and willing to entertain this idea that why have internal parts too? Right. So you kind of give them that foundation and then you can introduce this idea that everything we know about team dynamics, we can now start to look at inside of our own systems. Mm -hmm. And who do you want present in this meeting today? Most people are going to say, I want as much self energy as possible. No one has ever said, I'd like 10 parts to hijack me right now.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no.
0: <laughs> yeah. And and I also, I, I think about like, if a boss or an executive, you know, who's in charge of a, a group of people could have that understanding again of like their own parts. And then being able, like before going into a meeting where maybe something might be being discussed where it might be controversial within the group or, you know, they might know ahead of time, oh, this might be activating to some people. It's, again, like if that leader can be present in their self-leadership and then have that compassion and openness towards maybe even opening it up to the group and creating a container of safety within that meeting space of, you know, inviting the employees to please share with, to the extent that you feel comfortable with, share what parts of you are present right now. And Mm -hmm. again, like giving them the permission to know that it's okay. This is a safe space to speak for those parts Mm -hmm. and not as the part, right? Because there's a difference.
1: Right. Yes, absolutely. And and I think um you know Amy Edmondson's book The Fearless Organization. I don't remember what year it was published, but at the very beginning of the pandemic um there was a lot of chatter about that book. And it was really about how do we create an organizational culture where everyone feels psychologically safe. Mm. Because if you don't have that, the quickest pathway to organizational toxicity, family toxicity, relational toxicity is not feeling physically and emotionally safe. Mm -hmm. Now, in the context of an organization, part of that safety is I feel that this is a place where I can put forth my best ideas, even if they're shut down. Mm -hmm. I feel that this is a place where I can express some way in which I'm being hurt or tr- being treated unfairly, or that there's this sense that I can be in expression, authentic expression, without fear of getting fired, without fear of retribution and punishment. Right. And when IFS is present, as this is just part of the way we do things here, it contributes significantly to this psychological safety which is absolutely at the foundation of a healthy culture Mm -hmm. because it creates trust. Right. Absolutely. Where where are we going if we cannot trust each other interpersonally and as a team, Mm -hmm. we may reach our goals, but we will never, we will never surpass what we're capable of. We'll, we won't reach our potential together as a team if there's not trust. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Just like the way that a human being thrives when they can trust that there's enough self energy here that I can manage these parts. Mm-hmm. I can manage this system of mine. Mm-hmm. I think the biggest wake up call for me in terms of IFS in personal use was learning how to come into this incredibly trusting relationship with this interior world of mine. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Yeah. It's trust, right? And it's building that trusting relationship between ourselves and our parts. It's again, that, that being with our parts with that spaciousness and understanding and that clarity and that awareness of like, Oh, you're a part of me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How beautiful you know, like, oh, hello, beautiful part of me! I'd love to get to know you more, and I'd love for you to get to know me, you know, mm-hmm. and that builds trust, and it might take yeah, time so it,
1: <laughs> it can take yeah, time so you know you can see then the translation of all of this into organizations into leadership, but and and I like to say anyone in an organization, you don't have to be a named leader. It doesn't have to be part of your job description or your defined role. Everyone in an organization can step up into leadership and you will know how to do that to the degree that you're Mm self-led. Think about how much you trust yourself when you've got a critical mass of self-energy.
0: Yeah. You know, because again, it's, you're in that flow and Mm -hmm. you're connected to that intuition and to, you know, the other C's are like that confidence, that courage, and you can be present mm-hmm. with that. And yeah. even being open to, you might not have all the right answers, quote unquote, right? But you can be present with that just compassion and and curiosity and that openness to receiving feedback, right? Mm-hmm. Receiving feedback and being with whatever situation or person that's that's going on. Yeah. yeah,
1: I think presence is a very important word. I think that the outcome of IFS, in addition to freedom, like one of the things it sort of produces is a sense of freedom and a deep sense of presence. So imagine as many of the eight C's there as possible and the beautiful presence, right? And so in organizational and leadership literatures, there's a lot of chatter about executive presence. Mm. And what that means and what that looks like and what that feels like. I know what that looks like and feels like it's as many of the C's possible, right? Fully and fully embodied. Mm -hmm. I will often say to those I work with. What people remember, really remember is how you made them feel. Mm -hmm. It's less about what you say. It's less about what you tell them to do. It's about how you make them feel. So when we talk about presence, um it's just that you don't yeah. have to even open your mouth. And I feel safe and I feel good
2: mm-hmm.
1: and I feel courageous and I feel clear with you.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah.
1: I think about
0: when I worked at the university, the director, she would, at the start of every staff meeting, she would invite us as a group to share. She didn't say the word parts, but she mm-hmm. would say, you know, anyone would like to share gratitudes or struggles, you know, anything that they would like to just speak for basically speaking for parts of the person, right. That were really present. And she would always start, which I appreciated, right. Cause it was, Here I am, not just as like the boss or the director, the leader telling you all to be vulnerable, you know, but I'm going to do it first. And Mm -hmm. I am going to, you know, she would embody that. She -hmm. would embody that, that speaking for parts of her. And, Mm -hmm. and then we could just be with, we don't even like have to fix it. Right. It's just, let's just Mm -hmm. be with, let's just witness. And then also letting people know you also have the right to not say anything at all. You don't have to share anything, right? And that's okay, too. And that was, that's something that has always stuck with me was her inviting that at the start of every staff meeting and the times then where I, parts of me felt like, or, you know, I, parts of me felt safe in those moments to be spoken for, you know, with my colleagues. And that it could be received with Mm self-energy. That's what she was doing was she was inviting that container of self and that safety space. And Mm -hmm. that was something that, yeah, I have always taken with me and appreciated that that's what she was inviting and embodying.
1: Yeah, and it doesn't take very long to do. It's a very no. simple gesture that can change everything. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an invitation for you to speak for a part. And in doing so, without even using parts language, you're basically inviting a glimpse into another person's humanity. Right.
0: Yeah, because you've got no idea.
1: And, and I'm, and I'm going to start as your leader.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we have no idea what someone's experiencing. You know, yeah. we can make assumptions, parts of us can make assumptions, but we ultimately have no idea what the person across from us is is feeling within their inner world. Yeah. And so, yeah, to have that invitation and that courage on her end as a director to speak for her parts first each time was, yeah, something that I, like I said, I've I've taken with me. And just kind of use that as an example of the power of, again, like creating that space, the space, the choice, the connection, companion, you know, companionship and courage and all of those beautiful self self self-led qualities that can be brought and encouraged in a business space. Because again, it is like a family. (laughs) It's a lot of family energy whether you like it or not,
1: <laughs> it's yeah, that family it's, it's energy. Estimated, it's estimated that the average adult person spends 90, 90, 90, 90,000 hours of their adult life working. Yeah. And so if we are in the workplace. I mean, think about that for many of us, we go through phases in our life where we're spending more time with our colleagues mm-hmm. than we are with our family and friends. Yeah. So this, this work is
0: very applicable in that environment. Absolutely. And thank you so much for talking about this today and going in depth about this. I I feel like I've taken a lot of stuff from this conversation and I really appreciate you and the work that you do.
1: Thank you for inviting me.
0: Of course. Of course. So how can people find you if they're interested in the services that you provide? How can they find you? Yes,
1: Uh, christinekeisinger.com. And um, it's there where you you will see the work that I do in what I call leadership mastery, professional development, executive and personal coaching and trauma. I do quite a bit of work for organizations in trauma. It's really around helping them to become trauma-informed organizations. Mm. Yeah. Given the pervasiveness of trauma, Um, It's really important that we learn how to relate from a trauma-informed lens to those we're leading and are in our colleague-to-colleague relationships. Um, I think in the next five to 10 years, we'll see more and more organizations wanting to be that Mm trauma-informed. Absolutely. And that's very important, right? Because
0: mostly everybody has experienced trauma. Right. Which is then gonna influence our parts and yes. how we show up in the world. And so I think that's great what you're what you're doing. And you you are located
1: in you're in Pennsylvania, right? I live in Pennsylvania. Yeah. Mm-hmm, but I work I work predominantly virtually. Virtually. I have some clients that are live in person. Um, but all and and all coaching is done virtually. Okay. Great.
0: Yeah. And so anyone who's interested in working with Christine, check her out. And I will put your website on the in the show notes so people can have Thank you. access to that. Thank you, Thank you so you. much. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Everyone, we will talk to you next time. Bye. Bye.